The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Well, keep your eye on the southern border. Uh, that's a train wreck, and it's only getting worse. I just talked about this yesterday. Could you grab the coffee, please, Josh? I talked about this yesterday. <clears throat> Welcome back, by the way. Thanks for being here. And uh, yesterday, it was the last three days had been 9,000 uh, apprehensions per day. Uh, prior to that, yesterday, there were actually 11,000 caught crossing. They estimated about 7,000 gotaways, which means, you know, they kind of see them crossing, but they can't get to them. So they're just guessing at how big those crowds are. And then uh, Representative uh, Tony Gonzalez, a Republican from Texas, said uh, that he had spoken to the president of Guatemala who told him that they think there's about 80,000 migrants heading our way to the southern border, primarily from Venezuela, where, you know, socialism works oh so well. So they're on their way up, and that's all going to come crashing down starting tomorrow. So it is going to be a, a, a train wreck of epic proportions on our southern border. <clears throat> so keep an eye on that. that that's going to unfold more every day as we move forward. And uh, the Biden administration did reverse one thing because I think they see everything's about to hit the fan. They did reverse one Trump administration thing that says if you had not applied for asylum in other countries prior to hitting our southern border, then they then you couldn't apply for asylum here. But how do you manage that? That requires information, right? You'd actually have to know. And how do you. How do you prove that when you've got thousands and thousands of people crossing the border, all spread across the border? How can you possibly manage that? The answer to that is, of course, you can't. So you're going to see 11,000, 15,000, 20,000. Who knows what it's going to get up to uh, coming across the border. And uh, one story that I appreciated, and this isn't pretty. Nobody likes this. It's kind of like what happened when uh, remember the the Democrats were apoplectic because there was the one ranger down in Texas working the border that uh, they were on horseback. Remember that? And they were, uh, you know, using their uh, bridles to keep the horses moving in the right direction, this direction or another. And then all the Democrats went apoplectic saying they're whipping these immigrants. They're whipping. You know, it's like it's like the what is this? 1830. Remember that? All that stuff going on? So here's a picture. This was in the Daily Wire and a few other places, but the Democrats are going to be all over this. So the picture is, and and I talked about this yesterday, Governor Abbott called up a bunch of the National Guard there in Texas and he sent them to the border not to do paperwork, which is what the Biden administration sent 1,500 extra guys down there, basically to do paperwork. Uh, But unlike that, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, sent his guys down there to actually enforce the border. So you're looking, I'm looking at a picture of all these illegal immigrants 
every one of them, including a bunch of kids, the guy at the top of the line coming up across the water. Then they come up the, the bank, and uh, what they're met with is a bunch of Texas National Guard troops uh, and uh, razor wire. So it's not very pretty because you've got razor wire all across the top of this embankment. There's uh, discarded clothing and garbage all over the place because that's what's trashed the southern border as all these folks make their way across. And, you know, generally they just cross wherever and say, hey, yeah, I'm claiming asylum. Hands up. Don't shoot. Whatever. And then we take them in uh, and then process them. And, And it's just this deluge. I mean, what can you possibly do about it? So here they've installed razor wire. That's not a pretty sight. And all the National Guard guys, the Texas guys are, and gals, are up at the top of the hill on the other side of the razor wire, on our side of the razor wire, just telling these people, no, you can't come across. And the guy at the top of the line has a little kid in his hands that's probably, I don't know, three, maybe four. And so they're using that, of course, let the children in, let the children in, let the children in. But all these children are being endangered by their parents, coyotes, and the cartels and everybody else. So when the Americans then actually enforce our border, then we look like the bad guys. We're not the bad guys. It's the people using these children and putting them at risk. Those are the bad guys. Uh, Many of them are parents, but many of them are not. That's all part of what's going on down there with the drug cartels and the coyotes where the people are just, hey, grab a kid because then uh, you're going to get some favorable treatment when you hit the border and then you're going to get in and then they're going to run your paperwork and then it's catch and release and off you go. Welcome to America. And, and by the way, go get on the government dole. <clears throat> and so that's that. That's what's going on. But these guys down there are actually enforcing the border, which our federal government refuses to do since Joe Biden went to uh, went to office. So it's a big train wreck. And just keep watching. So Abbott deployed up to 10,000 specially trained National Guard members from the Texas Tactical Border Force and 1200 Texas Department of Public Safety troopers on Monday to secure the Texas border amidst the chaos when Title 42 stops working yesterday. Uh, the Texas people are saying it's going to be at least 13,000 crossing, 13, crossings a day. It's a train wreck. And, of course, I mentioned this yesterday, and, and I'm sure you think this already yourself. Why are the Democrats so lax on our southern border policy? Their public answer is, hey, this country was built on immigration. The border is actually under control. We need... Uh, we need immigrants. Immigrants built the country, blah, 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 blah. We care about people. We care about their asylum requests. We really care. But what they really want is more Democrat voters. And they know the, the majority of these people right now will vote Democrat once they figure out a way to get them voting. And so, of course, they're going to let them in. But it's all bogus. They don't care about people. They only care about power. Just remember that. So that's the southern border. We'll continue to watch that each day. And then two uh, big things, competing stories today. I wonder if they have anything to do with one another. So on the one hand, the House Oversight Committee had a big press conference this morning, the one looking into all the Biden family stuff. So this article says the explosive new evidence of Biden family's breathtaking corruption, including, I think, nine, at least nine members of the Biden family making money off of other countries. So I'm going to go through that story and then competing with that. I wonder if. I wonder if this is related. George Santos is a Republican arrested and indicted on 13 counts relating to fraud, money laundering and other charges. That was he's a Republican from New York, federally indicted and arrested. This all hit the news this morning. At the same time, 
that the Biden crime family corruption evidence is being presented by the Republicans in the House Oversight Committee. Maybe they're trying to cancel that out, protect the Bidens? No, Steve, you're so skeptical. Yeah, right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. This is funny. My friend Emily, who uh, watches the show pretty often, I think Emily usually watches more on Rumble than Facebook. I don't think she's a big Facebook person anymore, but she just post- posted this. It's kind of funny. $10 million in foreign cash. We'll get to that. Classified documents in a garage. Colluding with 51 former intelligence officials. 170 suspicious activity reports out of banks. The Bidens are the most corrupt family in American politics and the mainstream media is ignoring it all. They will henceforth be known as <laughs> the Biden family crime syndicate. Right. It sounded like uh, Palpatine there for a second. Henceforth, you shall your new name shall be Darth Vader. Yep, that's the Biden family. So there's that. I'm going to take you through this. Because they had, this was the House Oversight Committee, uh, had a press conference this morning, and then the Democrats' response is to use the feds to bring about the indictment, which was going to happen anyway, of Representative George Santos, kind of a dirtbag guy, Republican from New York, uh, 13 counts related to campaign finance fraud and other charges. So that they dropped that this morning in order to possibly, I don't know, maybe I'm just too cynical, maybe uh, to try to counter this story, which dropped earlier today. This was from, uh, I think, The Federalist. The explosive new evidence of Biden family's breathtaking corruption. The sheer magnitude of Biden family corruption uncovered by the House Oversight Committee can only be described as breathtaking. It is also deeply alarming. If the fruits of Chairman James Comer's investigation are exactly what they appear to be, Joe Biden may have jeopardized our nation's security by selling out America for cold, hard cash. Documents show that over $10 million in foreign money flowed like a river into more than 20 shell companies and LLCs created for the Bidens' financial benefit, said Comer. Much of it was then surreptitiously shuffled around various accounts before it landed in the hands of nine members of the president's family. Those companies have no apparent business purpose other than to serve as a receptacle for hiding cash derived from suspected influence peddling schemes overseas. The incriminating evidence comes from thousands of subpoenaed banking records, wire transfers, and electronic transactions contained in more than 170, they're called, suspicious activity reports that were flagged by banks and sent to the criminal division at the Treasury Department. The Biden administration refused to cough up those records until the committee recently forced its hand. There are still more documents to be examined, suggesting that the Biden profiteering could far exceed the millions of dollars already tracked. In Washington, where corruption and graft are endemic, the Bidens appear to have taken it to dizzying heights. While greed was the likely motive, concealment was the key to success. In just one deal alone, more than a million dollars involved in 16 different wire transfers ran through five different bank accounts before the funds eventually landed in Biden family hands. This and other transactions were well hidden, quote, in a web of deception and corruption, noted committee member Representative Byron Daniels. Cycling through this many companies serves no other purpose but to disguise illicit, if not illegal, payments, he concluded. All right, one of the things that's going to happen here, there's something called uh, FARA, Foreign Agents Registration Act. 
I pushed down the article here. Despite his lucrative overseas enterprises, Hunter Biden deliberately ignored the legal requirement that he register as a foreign agent under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. His own emails show that he intended to evade compliance. As former federal prosecutor and Fox News contributor Andy McCarthy explained, such a failure would make his transactions illegal under the law, which is how they went after, I can't remember the name of uh, Trump's guy. They got him on the exact same thing, that he didn't register under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. And so every time he took money, I can't remember, the guy was part of Trump's team and got busted. Every time he took money and then moved it, that was another count. So if you don't register, then it looks like money laundering, which is a bit of a problem. So that's the FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act. The explosive new evidence seems to confirm what has long been suspected. Joe Biden and his family aggressively exploited his public office to confer benefits and favors on foreign entities or governments in exchange for money. If this was done to the detriment of our own interests as a nation, as it surely seems so, these schemes could well constitute a variety of crimes that include bribery, fraud, and felony violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. The use of multiple accounts to conceal cash activities would qualify as money laundering. So, you know, I've read through three or four articles on this one. They're all pretty much saying the same thing. Uh, Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina, here's what she said. Quote, every time we turn over a rock, there's more evidence. This could be the most corrupt scheme in American politics where a sitting vice president, where we saw members of his family, nine of them so far, there may be more, they were enriched from countries all over the world. Comer, who's leading the effort, revealed that payments totaling $1 million from Romania went to the Biden family while the then vice president was working on Romanian issues. Where there's smoke, there's fire, perhaps. The lawmakers also claim that a, that that's committee was uncovered millions of dollars sent to the Bidens from an array of Chinese companies and through multiple banks, which he described as a web designed to conceal the transfers. Comer released a 36-page memo. You're not going to hear about this in the mainstream media, of course. Prior to the news conference, revealing that the Biden family allegedly set up more than 20 companies to take in foreign money, possibly in exchange for influence policy, influencing policy. The committee subpoenaed records from four banks linked to, quote, specific individuals and companies that engaged in business activities with Biden family members and their business associates, the, mem- the, the memo said. But but hold on a second. Hunter Biden, according to the president, the president had no idea. They didn't talk about this stuff. Do, do, do you just take the president's word for it at face value? A president who is obviously mentally compromised? And before that, let's say that Joe Biden was sharp as a tack. I think he's still a lying, manipulating 50-year veteran of the federal government. I think you can trust him about, about as far as you can throw him. But the big concern for me in all of this, I have no doubt that the Biden family was benefiting from his positioning, a senator and a vice president and now president, but especially as a vice president for eight years. And just access to the vice president or who the vice president could get you access to is worth a lot of money because of the amount of money that flows from the federal government outside the country to other nations in in, uh, terms of aid, other trade deals, whatever. There's so much money flowing in and out of the federal government. 
that people that get access to it can influence policy in any way, shape, or form benefit financially. That's why your average lobbyist in D.C. is a seven-figure-a-year player. And I'm at, like, if you're if you've got a if you've got a lobbyist, I talk about this in my civics class at Noble U. If you have a lobbyist that can affect legislation that affects a particular industry, five hundred million. $800 million, a billion dollars, $50 billion over 10 years. Are you going to blink? How much money would you pay that guy or gal to affect policy that could affect your industry to the, tunes of, to the tune of billions and billions of dollars? You'd pay him whatever you need to pay him. Yeah, 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 yeah. No justice, no peace. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. No justice, no peace. Uh, no, Th- those days are pretty much over when it comes to all the corruption in Washington, D.C. Isn't this sad? It's just a sad state of affairs. I think everybody is beginning to come to the realization that the odds are pretty good with the different articles I was just reading through, the information that came out earlier today, what the House Oversight Committee, uh, House Oversight and Accountability Committee, uh, they found at least $10 million right now that, that looks like was flowing to uh, nine members of the Biden family. And maybe, you know, 10% goes to the big guy. We still don't know if that's Joe, but who else would it be? He's the patriarch of the Biden family, right? And uh, so it's looking like they've been peddling influence for a while, especially while Biden was the vice president, because anything he can, he can do as the vice president to affect policy Uh, is worth a lot of money because we throw so much money around. There's so much money on the table here with the federal government and all of our dealings in various ways with different countries and both here, both domestically and foreign. And so influence peddling is worth tons of money. That's why I was explaining why so many lobbyists in D.C. make so much money. Because it's kind of like these highly paid, many of us would say overpaid, professional athletes. Well, you know, why, why, why does somebody make 30, 50, 60 million dollars a year as an athlete? Well, it's because their overall impact on the bottom line of the league is way bigger than that. So if somebody's going to make if if you're going to pay a guy 50 million, but he's going to make you 100 million uh, after you pay him, who cares? Right. Because you're up 100 million. So it doesn't matter. That's why they make so much money. Same thing with lobbyists and apparently the same thing for the Biden family. Will we ever see them perp walked? I don't think so. I think the Department of Justice is so politicized at this point that and that's the swamp. That's what Trump was talking about. So even when Trump was in there, the inner workings in the machine are against him. They're against any Republican against him, but they're for Democrats. So the machine is for Biden and will do everything it can to protect him. Or any other Democrat for that matter, because the bureaucracy is mostly made up of Democrats and liberals inside the D.C. world. OK, that's just the reality of it. <clears throat> and so it, it, I, I really think it's beyond redemption at this point. So it's just a matter of how infuriating it gets as it moves towards uh, its own destruction eventually. Which I, I don't believe whenever Jesus comes back. I don't think the uh, the stars and stripes are going to be rocking and rolling around the world when it happens. Okay, I think we're going to continue to diminish. We're already past your average life for for the biggest civilizations in the history of the world. So we're living on borrowed time, kind of like Joe Biden is at 
soon to be 81 years of age. The average life expectancy for an American male is about 78 and a half. So he's living on borrowed time. The nation's living on borrowed time. So don't sink all your stock into the future of this country, but don't give up on it either. Uh, because like we read in Amos, we want justice to flow down like a river. We, we, we serve and have been saved by a God of justice. So justice should always matter. We should always long for it, knowing that it'll never be perfectly achieved until Jesus comes back and does it himself. <clears throat> so in the meantime, pay attention, vote accordingly, pray accordingly, lament accordingly. But as I often say, I think I said this yesterday, I said this in my classes with my students. I'm like, don't sell your joy down the river for a bowl of stew. Don't be Esau. And just live in the moment and willing to give up your birthright. Don't do it. I struggle with it most days of the week because I have to come in here and talk about all this, all this garbage, which I think is important and through a biblical worldview and talking about other things other than politics. But uh, it's important because it affects people and people all made in the image of God. So then, then what about the debt ceiling? So I was just showing my students this week in um, U.S. history because we were dealing with the Clinton administration, Bush 43, and Obama. And then we end the U.S. history books right now for at, the, at the high school level, end with the uh, election of Donald Trump in 2016. And just a few things have happened since then, which we're going to talk about next week in our last class. Uh, but talking about the Clinton administration, which if you maybe you don't remember this, but under Bill Clinton, the Clinton administration, working with Congress with Newt Gingrich, they actually not only balanced the budget for four years, we actually had a surplus. Do you remember that back in the day? And Clinton said in his, in his uh, State of the Union address that the days of big government were over. That was a Bill Clinton that was pro-traditional marriage pro-smaller government, and, and, and worked on the welfare reform bill. B the Bill Clinton of uh, the 1990s would be kicked out of the Democrat Party of the 2023 decade, the 2020s. No way. You're out. It's more like a Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin's pretty liberal in a lot of other ways, but it was interesting to look at that. But we'll never see that again. We'll never see it. We'll never see a surplus again. On a, on a yearly budget basis. So what about the debt ceiling? And this is, this is one of those stories that you kind of roll your eyes. He's like, oh, oh yeah, the debt ceiling. Here we go again. A little political kabuki theater for the masses by both the Republicans and the Democrats. So I thought this was kind of a funny article, funny look at it. <clears throat> the Democrats' debt ceiling position makes zero sense. If you buy a car, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre explained the other day, you are expected to pay the monthly payment. It's that simple. That's what she's talking about. That You just got to extend the debt limit. We got to make our payments. Is it? Now, obviously, those who argue that the president can cancel millions of student loans by decree aren't in the position to offer lessons on personal responsibility. <laughs> Did you catch the irony of that? We have to pay our bills. You can't just, we have to be responsible government here. We owe people money. We have to pay our bills. Oh, but but we're going to forgive <clears throat> billions of dollars worth of student loan debt. They they don't have to pay their bills. Nah, he's fishing for votes. Uh, not in a position to offer lessons on personal responsibility. The deeper problem with Jean Pierre's analogy, who I really think is the least qualified, dare I say, dumbest White House press secretary in the history of well, the White House. 
though, is that there isn't a bank on earth. And that's I, I don't take a lot of pleasure in saying that. I know it sounds really ugly, but I think it's true. That there isn't a bank on earth that's going to keep lines of credit open when a person is compounding unsustainable debt year after year. Correct. That's why the, we talked to David Fisher about de-dollarization. Countries and people are walking away from the dollar around the world. Because why would you keep doing with a business with a country like ours that's just getting worse off and worse off financially all the time? Speaking of which, the federal government has already hit the debt limit. The Treasury Department is now relying on quote-unquote extraordinary measures that will sputter out by June, at which time we will all be faced to for forage for food and barter for medicine. The only thing that can save us from this dystopian hellscape, Jean-Pierre explains, is for Congress to do its job and return to regular order. The White House press secretary is apparently unaware that regular order would entail Senate Democrats passing a bill and then negotiating with House Republicans who have already passed a bill, raising the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion into 2024. You don't, we don't even blink at that anymore, $1.5 Until this week, Democrats wouldn't even talk to Republicans on the matter. In the old days, this kind of absolutist position would have, would have had every newspaper wringing its hands about GOP obstructionism and the dysfunction of the political system. Today, outlets like the New York Times simply pretend Republican bills are apparitions. Quote, are Republicans willing to raise the debt ceiling, asked the editorial board this week? Does the Times not know that the GOP has already agreed to lift the ceiling? They do. They, they pretend it isn't real because it includes deep cuts in federal spending. Which, by the way, every time you hear that phrase coming out of anybody in D.C., deep cuts in federal spending, which is usually a Republican phrase, that's a joke. Deep cuts to them, hey, we're going to cut $80 billion in the next 10 years. We spend about 15 to $16 billion a day. So if you cut $80 billion over 10 years, it's a joke. <laughs> it's insulting to those of us that actually know the, the truth. So, so that, they're playing that game. Uh, deep cuts in federal spending, by which they mean a return to last year's discretionary spending levels with no cuts moving forward. The reversal of investments in tax enforcement, 80,000 new IRS cops monitoring, among other, th other things, Venmo accounts, right? They talked about that. A rollback of some green energy boondoggles and so on. And anyway, the Times notes, Biden has offered Republicans a reasonable path to resolve the standoff in which the GOP raises the ceiling without any conditions, as Democrats demand. And then Biden will, quote, separately negotiate measures to slow the growth of the federal debt. <laughs> oh, Lord, please, Father, help us. Uh, right. Joe Biden. Hey, just raise the debt limit. And then in July... We'll start talking about ways to reel in uh, federal spending. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, Jeffrey Dahmer, can you uh, can you watch the kids while I go to the mall? Sure, I'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord, back to the article. Can you imagine the New York Times editorial board urging Democrats to table their policy concerns and simply trust that a Republican president will negotiate in good faith at some undetermined future time? And not any president, but one who claims a $3.5 trillion inflation-inducing bill costs $0. So not exactly a whiz with numbers talking about Biden. I'm going to work through, there's not a whole lot left in this article, but there's a lot of things here to consider. And we're going to put the, the Democrats easily on a chopping block. We're going to do the same thing to the Republicans. Because they're all selfish. They don't care about their posterity. They don't care about the future of the country. They only care about the next election. 
Like I said, Lord help us. We'll be All right, here's a website that you need to add to your bookmarks, okay? It's the usdebtclock.org, 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 so you can see real numbers, okay? You want to be able to see real numbers of where the country is at, so when these guys get together, the Republicans and the Democrats, and start talking about, hey, we're going to cut this and we're going to cut that. You know it's a joke, okay? But you got to understand the numbers in order to know when you're being lied to and manipulated. And really, it, it really is. Uh, once you understand these things and you're knowledgeable, then it's just insulting. They're insulting your intelligence. And let me give you an example of how this works. So right now we're at thirty-one point um, seven trillion dollars. That's the U.S. national debt. That's $94,000 per citizen or $247,000 per taxpayer. That's your, that's your portion of the national debt, uh, $247,000, $766,000 to be exact. So right now uh, we're spending, uh, the federal government spends about six, somewhere between 16 and $24 billion a day. That's where we're at. And our federal uh, budget deficit, which is currently uh, in the fiscal year 1.4 trillion, we'll push past that. It'll be about uh, 2.2, 2.3, 2.5 trillion dollars. So in in the next uh, four years, we'll actually add another 11 trillion dollars to the national debt clock. Okay, another 11 trillion in four years. So in 2027, we're going to be looking at like 42 trillion in debt. So the federal government spends. Let's just pick a somewhere between 16 and 22, 24. A billion dollars per day. Let's just pick twenty billion because it's a nice, easy number to work with. Twenty billion dollars per day. So when they come out, and McCarthy and the Republicans are like, "Hey, we want to return to twenty twenty two spending levels last year, which is still two trillion dollars in budget deficit in a year." Okay, uh, that that's hey, we're we're just trying to go back to where what we were spending last year, which was still insane. And then they'll say, but over the next 10 years, we want to incorporate, uh, hold on, just to show you how serious we are, about $1.2 or $1.5 trillion in budget cuts in the next 10 years. And you go, wow, that's a lot. Let's say it's two, let's say it's $4 trillion in the next 10 years, $4 trillion, which is $400 billion a year. But remember, we're spending $20 billion a day. So they want to cut 400 billion in a, in a year, but we're spending 20 billion a day. So 400 billion really isn't a significant number at all, is it? We do that in 20 days. So what they're saying is we're going to cut 20 days of spending each year for for uh 10 years. While at the same time our budget deficit is continuing to climb. So we're still going to be in 10 years. We're at like, I don't know, 60 trillion in debt, but it could have been 63 trillion, except for the brave Republicans who fought for these budget cuts. All right. You, you see my point? That the numbers they're talking about, although they sound big because they use b -b 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 billions 
and even to a certain extent to, to, to trillions relative to the overall size and how much money we spend every year. Those numbers are a joke. They are not serious. They're, uh, it's, it's, you're looking at your phone. You're talking to your spouse. Did you hear anything I said? Yeah, 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 I heard you. Yeah, I, I heard you. What did I just say? Well, I, okay, say it again. <laughs> right? Are you with me? So that's when, and I do this with my students all the time. I'm like, hey, yeah, they just said they're going to cut $400 billion. Is that, a, is that a big number? And my students, especially once you get through one semester with me, they're like, yeah, there's probably something to this question that I'm missing. I got to think a little more deeply about this. I go, is it is 400 billion? Is that a big number? Yeah, it's a big number. Over 10 years, is that a big number? No, it's only 40 billion. And how much do we spend per day? About 20 billion. Okay. So it's a joke, right? Do you guys see? The, everybody understand? That's a, that's a joke. Raise your hand if you see that. Don't say it's a joke because your teacher says it's a joke. Do you actually see it relative to the overall size of the federal spending each year that that size cut is in fact a joke it's not serious right hey i really i really need to, hey mom and dad I, i'm not getting enough sleep i appreciate you trying to get me to go to bed earlier so uh i've decided i've made the commitment and i actually put it up on social media so people can hold me to it i'm gonna go to bed four minutes earlier every night for the rest of the year and and what are you gonna say to that if you're a parent you're gonna laugh right you're gonna what are you serious <laughs> four minutes you stay up till 2 a.m you go to school at seven and now you're saying oh i'm gonna go to bed at 156 and i'm supposed to see that as a serious commitment on your part right it's a joke that's why you have to understand these numbers that's why bookmark on your computer on your smartphone usdebtclock.org so you can see actual numbers so that when the Republicans and, of course, the Democrats are throwing numbers at you, you'll know instantaneously because you're armed with the truth and some critical thinking skills. You'll know instantaneously that it's not only a joke, but they're insulting your intelligence. The reason it works for them is because the overwhelming majority of Americans when it comes to these subjects are radically unintelligent. Right now, I just sound like a condescending judgmental jerk. I know, but I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. So like I tell my students, I'm mentioning my students a lot. I tell my students, hey, take these classes and you're not going to get 100% of what we talk about and 100% of what we go through. But whatever percentage you're going to get, you're going to end up being smarter than probably, I don't know, 80% of your fellow citizens by the time we're done this semester talking about civics or U.S. history or Christian ethics or I'm adding this fall world history because most people just have very little knowledge. And the people perish for lack of knowledge, right? So there you go. Thank you, Lord. Uh, the Bible, true. Once again, did I finish this? This is kind of, huh. I'll finish this article just because we have time. Uh, again, this is the New York Times editorial. Urging Democrats to table their policy concerns and simply trust that a Republican, all right, skip it. But that's not even the most ridiculous sentence in the editorial. The Times also contends that the debt ceiling is not a useful mechanism for preventing the federal government from living beyond its means. When that's exactly why the law exists in the first place. The line reminds me, the writer says, of the scene in Woody Allen's Love and Death in which the newly married Boris is rebuffed by his bride Sonia on their honeymoon bed. Don't, she says, not here. Right, it makes no sense. If the debt ceiling is mechanically lifted without any debate over spending, then it doesn't really exist. That's a great point. 
If you want to spend without any limit, just say so. But even the Times concedes that Washington is, quote, living beyond its means. So then, why is it more reasonable to negotiate the slowing of spending now, when the ceiling is in view, than a month from now or a year from now when there is no incentive to do anything? Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who for weeks was sending out snarky tweets demanding Kevin McCarthy show the country his plan on the debt ceiling, won't negotiate. And it's clear that President Biden is now pondering invoking the 14th Amendment and simply ignoring the debt ceiling, much in the way he ignores the law on a slew of other issues. Which using the 14th Amendment doesn't make any sense to me. Such a move would almost, but it doesn't need to. Such a move would almost surely be overturned by the Supreme Court because, as Ilya Shapiro succinctly put it, quote, a constitutional provision that prevents repudiation of debt doesn't also somehow authorize limitless new debt. Good point. Maybe if Schumer threatens the court again, they'll do what he wants this time. Democrats spend their time blaming GOP administration for the preponderance of our debt, most of which Joe Biden has voted for as a senator or helped shepherd through in the executive branch. No one is innocent on that front, of course, but most of our debt is propelled by constantly expanding entitlement programs, which are treated with a reverence by the left that the Constitution can never attain. But even if the GOP were culpable for every single dollar of debt and were engaged in blatant hypocrisy, it wouldn't change the fact that they are objectively correct today in arguing that we need to slow spending and mitigate debt. The arguments used to oppose even a modicum of responsible budgeting do not make any sense. Okay, uh, so final thoughts on this. This uh, the writer of this article is definitely taking it easy on the Republicans, I think. Because spending exploded when Donald Trump was the president, exploded when Obama was the president, exploded when Bush was the president. And the last president to be able to work with Congress to actually balance the budget and have a small surplus was, was none other than Monica Lewinsky's former boyfriend, Bill Clinton. Hasn't happened since then. Will never happen again because we're so far down the road that they can't pull the Titanic up from under the water. So just remember that because I don't want any of us to be fooled by the Republicans we put in charge in Congress, especially. Don't be fooled by that. But continue to support what you can. Uh, Pray daily, we all should be praying daily for those in authority over us so that we can, by God's grace, live quiet and peaceable lives. But you got to know the facts and, and you got to pay attention, uh, which is what I'm, we're wrapping up the semester next week with my classes that I teach high school age homeschoolers uh, via Noble U now. So trying to get them, their eyes open a significant amount. So that they're not like most of their fellow Americans who are sadly, woefully uninformed, incredibly ignorant. And therefore, they don't know when they're being lied to or even insulted. So trying to uh, help that with the young people and with you as well. And I hope that most of you are informed way beyond the regular American electorate. My guess is you probably are. USDebtClock.org is the website. Go spend some time there if you want to get depressed. USDebtClock.org. But remember, God is on the throne. He still rules the universe with his feet up. And I hope he's your daddy like he's my daddy. Because ultimately, all this will fade into the past when we come into our glory in the light of his. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever
another program powered by the Truth Network.